You're listening to Inside Acting. To find out more and make a donation, visit InsideActingPodcast.com. Welcome to episode 78 of Inside Acting. I'm AJ Meyer. And I'm Trevor Elgott. And on this podcast, we interview writers, directors, financial gurus, uh, in this case, marketing yeah, guru, marketing, you call that? marketing uh, <coughs> specialist, managers, agents, casting directors, <laughs> producers, anybody involved in the entertainment industry. And we package those interviews up into this little podcast with us yabbering at the beginning and end and bring it to an internet's near you. Yabbering. That's yabbering. a new word as well. You've been it's, busting out new it's, words. It's, the it's past a combination of yakking and jabbering. <laughs> I like that, man. <laughs> I could have yabbering. said yakkering. It's, it's a very graphic description of, of somebody talking nonstop. <laughs> Um, that's us. That's us. We do and, that. We yes. talk nonstop. <laughs> and uh, as we're fond of saying, uh, we don't we don't know everything. We don't pretend to know everything. And a big reason why we started this podcast was because we were looking for the answers as much as everybody else. So if you hear something on the podcast that you you really dig, or that maybe you don't dig so much, and you want to throw in your two cents, there are a million ways. To, well, there's like seven ways to get in touch with us, <laughs> but there's a lot. Uh, so just you can start by going to our our, uh, our website, InsideActingPodcast.com, and on. On this episode, we have um, the first of a two-part interview with Emily Grace, who were who who are we? How are we? Uh, I, I guess I would refer to her as, a, as she's an actress and a, a marketing specialist. Marketing I mean, specialist. She's, she's created these fantastic products for actors to kind of learn how to, um, well, to just steal the name right off her product, build their own buzz, and stand out from the crowd. And uh, we were skeptical about it at first, but um, Emily was nice enough to kind of give us access to check it out, and it's really, really good stuff. So it was a great conversation with her, so make sure you guys stick around for that. All right, guys. Welcome to episode seventy-eight. Boom, boom, yeah. boom goes the dynamite. Uh, it has been a little while. I know. I was. We were both out of town for, mm-hmm. for a good chunk of time. Mm-hmm. You were in Australia, mm-hmm. which we have to hear all about. Mm-hmm. And I was just in little old Vermont for a couple of days. <laughs> little old Vermont. This is your. This is your mecca, man. You got to talk about the lake and like what it does for you and your spirit and recharging your batteries. It is it's it just is. as important as the work, man. I, I had a, I had to learn there this week. I think. Or actually, it was last week. But we can talk about. it. I want to hear about Australia first. Oh, tell me what's tell me what's going on, dude. Put tell me, me what. The, put me on the spot. Like. Yeah. Um. Well, Australia is gorgeous. Oh my goodness. Um. Noosa heads. Yeah. Noosa. Yeah. Noosa is like the root. That's the Aboriginal word. And then Noosa heads. You know, stands for headlands. You know, Noosa heads. Noosaville. Noosa junction. Oh, I didn't know that. So I thought it was named after like a gargoyle or something. <laughs> I didn't know. I was like, Noosa Heads. Noosa That's Heads. cool. Yeah, so Noosa Heads, Noosa Junction, Noosaville, and just plain Noosa. So there's actually four names for this area of Australia, which is in the northeast side of the continent, about an hour north of Brisbane, is the closest major, major city. Um, it's gorgeous. It's about an hour and a half south of, hour and a half drive south of where you would go out to the Barrier Reef. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> so it's one of the most beautiful places in the world. Did you like, make it out there? Did the barrier? No. I mean, I was working the whole time. I mean, I will. I will say this about being being in Australia. It was. It was work. It was. I was not. Um, I, I w- it was not a vacation. You know, mm-hmm. I had maybe two days off. One of which I used to recover from rehearsal, and the other one I was the day after we did our workshop performance, and I, I that was the day that I went out and had some fun. Like I went surfing. Sweet. Um, it was amazing. I met some. Um, I mean, the locals there are incredible, and I met some really nice people, <clears throat> really nice locals uh, who were the they worked at or managed this uh, surf shop, and they let me hire, not rent, hire a board for free hire aboard they, they say yeah bike That's cool bike hire um car hire surfboard hire like it's all right instead of renting you hire it's like almost like it's in not an like inanimate it's a, object like it's a, yeah that's good to know but uh yeah we, we went out um surfing and it was like the most beautiful sunset i've ever seen in my life and there was dolphins mm. like po- two different there, pods I'm, of I'm, dolphins I'm there in my head right now and the, wow. the, the the waves weren't even that big but i i surfed like i caught multiple waves and i was like hell yeah now i can say <laughs> that i've surfed in australia so tell us about the show a little bit uh this was a, a one a one instance musical that was kind of built from scratch mm-hmm. yeah we yeah, yeah we yeah, it was definitely built from scratch when i showed up the script was different than when they sent it to me via email before i left and then it changed even more while I was there. So it was interesting. It was like the work that you and I have done with the, with the Los Angeles Theater Ensemble in terms of like getting new pages every single day and stuff changing on the fly, except it was a musical. Okay. So there was like a no song. No pressure. Yeah, no pressure. Exactly. So there was a song that I got about halfway through the rehearsal process, like a full-on song that was so good that it ended up... Um, we were able to take out six pages of dialogue because the song just told the, the whole story of those pages. Um, but it was a long, a longish song. Um, <clears throat> so I had to get off book basically for that in like a week and a few days. Uh-huh. Um, so it was intense. It was very intense, but the show was amazing. It was all based around the, the idea of watching this guy who's a uh, internationally renowned painter from Papua New Guinea paint, a live portrait on stage um, of uh, a local um, community leader, charity worker, this woman named Moy Sweetman, who's just like the sweetest, totally earns her name. Um, (laughs) Sweetest, sweetest lady. And so uh, while he was painting her on stage, uh, myself and my co-star were on stage in front of him, basically performing the musical drama of the show. Did it change? Well, I guess it didn't change. It was a one-night thing, but I mean, was there an element of improv to it? Um, no, not us. For him, definitely, because mm-hmm. his process changes every time. We did an invited dress the night before, and he didn't even paint Moy. He painted um, my co-star, Charlene. So, you know, for him, there's an element of improv because he doesn't have a plan when he starts painting, which I think is ridiculous because it's just gorgeous what, what he ends up um, what he ends up with. Um, but it was really, really fascinating. We had a camera on him, and that camera projected him when he was painting on this big, like basically the back wall of the theater. So it was just like this giant screen. You could just watch him doing his thing, live painting. Um, we had, uh, you know, the music, which was um, mostly, I mean, it was composed <clears throat> uh, composed and rearranged by Charlene, but all of the songs that had lyrics were written by um, this local Aussie duo called Nick and Liesel, 
who I also had an opportunity to meet, and they were amazing. Uh, their music is great. I sh- you know what? That's my pick of the week. Done. My pick of the week All is right. this band. Uh, so we'll come back to that later because um, I, I want to look up their, their website, um, and we'll put it on our website as well. But it was um, it was just like the craziest exp- – I mean, I, I just – Got in a big metal tube, flew halfway across the world, like literally almost all the way across the world, landed, got off in the most beautiful place I've ever been to in my life, and then rehearsed a musical for two weeks, performed it, and then got back in that metal tube and came back to Los Angeles. You know, it's just... It's pretty surreal. It's a strange world we live in, I'll tell you that. how how long was the show then? I mean, did he complete a painting from beginning to end? Mm -hmm. Just under two hours. Wow. Yep. Yep, and he starts off with just his bare hands uh, before moving into brushwork for the the really really detailed stuff. But the majority of it's done with his bare hands that and is like so a rag. Cool. He's incredible, and this was all just through uh, through our friend Jeremy, who just kind of had an idea for the show, or he was involved with the artist somehow. And yeah, he met the artist. He was introduced to the artist from by his manager, and once he saw what he was doing, what he could do. It inspired him, and he didn't know what he wanted to do with it, but he thought it might be interesting to create a performance art piece. So Charlene and Jeffrey, who's the painter, have been doing some experimenting here and there. Um, they it, they got together in Los Angeles, actually, and she's a classically trained musician, so she was like playing the violin while he was painting, and it originally was just going to be the two of them on stage, and it just kept like growing and growing and growing and growing into the idea that it eventually became. So he had four actors, one painter... Um, that is know, so cool. Nick man. and Liesel, you know, Charlene doing the music, Jeremy's writing and directing. Um, so it was definitely a, a collab collaborative piece as well. Cool. It was a lot of fun to see what I was capable of also back here being over there. In other words, I didn't shirk, I didn't shirk my responsibilities here, but just because I was going to be in Australia, um, <clears throat> I was making phone calls via Skype. I was handling stuff via email and, um, it was just interesting to notice how much I was getting done there and then to acknowledge that and say like, wow, if I imagine what it would be like if I was this committed and this on it and this motivated and this hardworking, if you will, back when I get back, when I get back to LA. Mm-hmm. Cause I was playing hard when I was over there cause I was in the middle of rehearsal. It was 17 hours time difference, you know, not here. <clears throat> Wi-Fi, by the way, if anybody from Australia is listening to this, Jasmine will probably know what I'm talking about. But if anybody's from Australia listening to this, Wi-Fi there is like a joke. It's really bad. It's really, really bad. So ju- just simply attempting to handle everything with with Wi-Fi constantly broken down all over the place, it was it was mm-hmm. challenging. It was challenging. But... You know, it felt good to like know that I was playing hard and like, okay, great. If I can play this hard, if I can play this hard being this far away, uh, you know, imagine what it'd be like if I took this energy back with me. To what what do you think you can attribute that energy to? I mean, you were majorly jet lagged. You're in a brand new place, and still you were able to kind of dig deep and uh, it's make like what these I, things happen. It's like what I said in in the last episode. Committed action is better than coffee. Mm-hmm. Like if you set your intention, like. Uh, you know, I got to create a game plan for being over there, which I didn't even think about going going over there before. But I spent the first couple of days like kind of not wallowing, but just being like, oh, I'm far away. Like, what can I do while I'm here? And it was because I hadn't even created a game plan. So I just opened, you know, text edit or notepad or whatever on my computer 
and I wrote the dates of the next four days down and I put my rehearsal schedule in there. And then around that, I put what I was going to accomplish, like going for a walk, going for a hike, doing da da da, like, um, working on my script, getting off book, blah, blah, blah. And once I had done that, then I got into this mode of like, okay, cool. You might be far away. There might be a big time difference. You might not be, you know, in your home base. That doesn't mean you can't accomplish things. Mm -hmm. And from when I made that choice, then everything changed. So the next day I had an hour by hour breakdown of my day and I was making all those things happen. I I get to bring that back with me, you know, and it's, and it's fun. Powerful stuff, man. Right on. Oh yeah. That's kick ass. Well, welcome back. It's good to have you back. Thanks, man. You too. You look uh, healthy, rested, excited, <laughs> energized. It's funny because I, I haven't gotten so little sleep this last week because I've only been back a week and I was jet lagged for like the first half of that and it just screwed up my sleep cycle and I've gotten very few yeah. hours of sleep. I've heard that it takes a day of recovery for each hour difference in your time zone change. What? And for me, that's more or less been true, but I've only really gone, you know, three time zones away 17 days so you might be in this for a little while <laughs> I, I don't know i mean i have a sensitive system you might be a little more resilient than i am but cool, awesome man. so how was vt bra vt was amazing it's just it's just a place i go with my family every uh every year so i didn't go last year because we had first squad going yeah. on but um this year i went and uh just had eight days in the lake and i just went off the grid i had cell phone reception there so i did some kind of emergency scanning once every other day or so but for the most part i was just completely off grid like i didn't connect to anything digitally it was kind of like a digital sabbatical yeah. like a digital detox thing and it was really nice. And the kind of thing that I, I learned was after the first few days of like panicking and like, oh my God, you know, like, what's my schedule? Where do I have to be? Who do I have to call? Is there anything in my email inbox, you know, that p- people need me to do? Like just feeling that, that pressure. Once that kind of like slid away and receded back into the depths where it came from, <laughs> uh, I, I really kind of just got back in touch with, with myself, with my, with my true self. And I know it doesn't sound so profound, but what was neat about it was that I found the kind of joy in, in certain things again, that has, it's been a long time that I've been able to kind of slow down and really appreciate little things, you know, and I realize it's okay. In fact, it's essential for me to just have time where, yeah, I lay in bed and stare at the ceiling for 20 minutes and just think, or I go outside and I just watch the leaves blow in the wind and I can just kind of get lost in that for a few minutes. And I realized how absolutely essential that is for me and how lacking that is in my life here in Los Angeles. And so, uh, I've made a commitment, a sort of loose commitment because there's not really hard parameters to it right now, but a commitment to just really draw some clear, clear boundaries between my digital life and my real life and really make sure that I give much more attention to my real life and, you know, Twitter and Facebook and email and all those things are really just people asking you to do things for them. And I'm all for, you know, it's a necessary evil, but I'm, I'm committed now to kind of putting clear boundaries around those things in my life so I can kind of contain them. And when I ha- deal with them, I deal with them. And when I'm done, I go back into the real world and I get kind of nourished again. You know what I mean? Was this your big learn? Is <laughs> that was my big learn. Me? Yeah. Because you are lit up right now. Like, <laughs> I know you guys can't see him. You can probably hear it in his voice, but like Trevor looks like a kid right now. He's got a big smile on his face and like just really excited it was it was just it was just so great you know and i i i i realized that the reason i need vacations is because i don't allow myself to do that 
You know what I mean? Right. I don't think I need to be on a vacation per se in order to kind of exist in that place spiritually. Yeah. So, um, that's, that was the big takeaway. And yeah. I don't know why it's taken me, you know, 31 years to kind of realize that because it seems so simple, but it's pretty nice. We come from nature and so it's, it's good to reconnect. Yeah. We get with, so out of touch with it <clears throat> somehow. We feel like we're separate from it. Yeah. You know, that well, nature's what, out there and we're safe in, in our air conditioned apartment. But, right. It, it, I mean, that's so artificial, it's not even funny. At, at, at its core, that's kind of what causes global warming. Like, I, I, I don't know if this is a pick of the week at one point, but I, I read this awesome book. I think I think you have it too, right? Cradle to Cradle? If we talk uh, about I don't this on have the podcast. it. I don't have it, but you I. You know what I'm talking yeah, about, though, right? Yeah. So the, it was like the first, cha- it might even be in the introduction. Like, one of the first things they talk about is the idea of like. Um, like the industrial revolution, for instance, and how that for the, was like for the first time in human, well, not, this may not necessarily be true, but it, it, it happened on a massive scale. What happened was we decided as a species that it was nature or man as opposed to nature and man. Um, mm. We decided that we couldn't generate abundance. We couldn't generate products. We couldn't generate happiness fuels fuels we couldn't generate happiness fulfillment without compromising nature and that nature was something that needed to be conquered in order to accomplish those things yeah as opposed to working with it to you know accomplish those things yeah so you know we're still it's unfortunate we're still living in that age you know we're slowly coming around, but too slowly. It's way too slowly. You know? I mean, because we're approaching a hundred years yeah. of, of living that way as a species. Yeah. That's crazy. And that's really ingrained, you know? Did, and, I, did I ever give you the book Ishmael by Daniel Quinn? No, but we've talked about it before. He, he writes yeah. about that stuff mm-hmm. better than anybody I've, I've ever, like reading his books was a total game changer for me. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. sorry. I interrupted you. No, no, no. I think that's, I think that's one. I think that's been one of your pick of the weeks before. Yeah. Um, yeah. those books. Um, yeah, and we we have talked about them. There's um there's a quote. I'll, I'll, this is the last thing I'll say. There's a quote that I heard. I think I may have said this on the podcast before. I can't remember, but I just love it, and I've been using it ever since. I saw it in a in a documentary about bees, of all things. Um, <clears throat> there are several documentaries about bees on Netflix. Um, the colony collapse disorder. They're thing. amazing because it, yeah, it's amazing how like just studying bees will like show you how screwed up like the agricultural system in this country has become (laughs) it's like really sad but um it was like within the first two minutes of this documentary there was this guy they were interviewing i can't remember what his deal was i think he was a rancher or something he said the only thing that americans fear is inconvenience Mm -hmm. You said that on the podcast before. Oh, was I think. it? Yeah. yeah. And I was just like, oh my gosh, like, it's so true. Was that the one narrated by Ellen Page? I don't know. I've There's seen that several. one. Yeah. Uh, I've watched two B documentaries and then I watched um, this documentary called Fresh. Which oh, about, yeah. You said, you mentioned that on the yeah. podcast, too. I've got to yeah. check that out. They were good. I mean, and your pick of the week last time was Forks Over Knives, right? Uh, a couple episodes ago. Yeah. 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 So. Yeah, good stuff. All right, wow. Everything is connected. We we totally got off topic there, but did we? Not really? Did we? <laughs> did we? Yeah, exactly. Did you we? Know? What's really important? People are like, I thought I'd tune in for a podcast on acting. These yeah. guys are schmucks. <laughs> People who chose episode 78 to listen to us for the first time are like, I thought this was an acting podcast. Who are these tools? Crap. Yeah. 
<laughs> never listening to another episode again. We actually have content about the business. We promise. On that note, let's let's just let's just move on to this goodness. That's this, probably uh, a good idea. Yeah, uh, we've got an interview with Emily Grace here. You've heard us talk about her obviously earlier in the episode. It's a fantastic interview. Um, so enjoy this, guys, and we'll see you on the other side. Okay, hey everybody, I am sitting here with Emily Grace, and I'm very excited to be sitting with her. Um, we were talking before we we started recording here, and I was telling her that um, I'm really blown away with, with her offering. She contacted us a couple weeks ago and, and wanted to let us know about uh, a program that she has, or actually a couple programs that yeah. help actors kind of learn how to market themselves more effectively, and I meet all these things with a little bit of skepticism, as, as long-time listeners of the podcast know. But uh, when I took a look at, at uh, Emily's offerings, I was really just like, why didn't I create this? It's, <laughs> it's just so comprehensive and fantastic. So Emily, so excited to have you here. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me and for giving me your seal of approval. <laughs> of course. So so before we get into all that, and I have a million questions about about just the business you've started, your, your uh, Emily Grace Productions, um, about the content that you offer. Mm-hmm. Let's rewind and, and kind of go back to the beginning and tell us a little bit about how you got into this this kind of crazy industry. Uh, okay. So, such a good question. I, like most actors, always knew I wanted to be an actress or actor. I'm, they're interchangeable for me. But... Um, I always wanted to be an actress, and I ended up going to college for that. You know, I did all the plays, and I went to college. I studied at NYU, and that's where I got my training, which I think is really valuable. You know, I definitely, although I teach marketing and business, I do believe in in a well-trained actor who can deliver on demand. Got into the industry after that, doing some indie films and, you know, the crazy bad plays and the showcases and all of that stuff. And um, I actually ended up, I booked, the first film I ever booked was a leading role in this really amazing indie opposite Judith Ivy and Bill Raymond. And that was my introduction to film, to the that's, professional world. That's a pretty stellar introduction. It was, it was amazing. And so, of course, I thought, oh, this is normal. <laughs> this, this is easy. This is easy. This is just what happens. And um, that film actually did really well. Didn't ended up winning awards at Sundance and Deauville. And it sort of was like positioned for what every actor, I think, dreams of happening, which is that idea of the overnight success. And I was prepared for that. Everyone was telling me, you're going to blow up. Like, this is it. You're on your way. You're going to get famous. Blah, 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 blah. And that's not what happened at all. At all. At all, at all. (laughs) Um, Like, a couple things came out of it. But basically, I had this amazing experience and all this attention. And then it didn't go anywhere. And... That was sort of the beginning, you know, that sort of planted the seed for me that, oh, there's something I'm missing. There's something I don't get about this process that I have missed the boat. Something is not right. And um, that was sort of what 
started me thinking about what I was missing. And the, the main thing, which is why I teach what I teach now, is this idea of marketing and building a business and having relationships. And, you know, at that point in my career, I didn't understand the business. I didn't understand marketing. I just, you know, however it ended up happening that I landed this film and all these amazing things happened, I didn't know how to follow up with that. I thought that was all it took. Right. Which kind of a lucky accident. Yeah, it was a lucky accident. And not to say that I didn't work hard and that I wasn't a good actor, but I didn't know how to keep the ball rolling. I didn't know how to make that happen again. I didn't know how to take all of that attention and do something with it. Um, and that was hard. That was really hard. That so was, where, where did you start? I mean, when you kind of realized that, oh, geez, I don't know where to go next. What did you, where did you look? It actually took me a, a year after we won a Sundance Award to get an agent. Like, I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> I had no idea. I had no idea how to take a meeting, how to close a meeting, how to sell myself. I didn't, I had no idea. It took me a year after that to get, even get an agent. And then I signed on with an agent and they were wonderful and, you know, they really were behind me, but I, I just didn't know, you know, I took all the workshops and that kind of thing, but I didn't understand follow-up. I would try to meet everyone, but I wouldn't keep in touch with anyone. I wouldn't focus on people and build relationships. And so I was like doing all the things that you're, you feel like you should be doing, but I just was doing them incorrectly. I wasn't doing them in a way that actually, led anywhere. It was like, I I talked to my clients about this a lot. It's like all my energy was going sideways. It wasn't going forward. So that's sort of what started me realizing that there was more to do. You know, I was kind of always the ringleader who, you know, I started a production company and we used to make YouTube videos and like commissioned a play. And I was just always kind of like trying to be the rabble rouser and band people together and do something. Um, you know, producing our own work and getting people to come and hustling, but there was just little pieces of marketing that I missed and understand. And that's sort of what, you know, after being in that kind of a situation for long enough and feeling like, well, I could keep doing this. I could keep doing this. This is like really exhausting and like very dissatisfying, or I could change things and figure out what what I'm missing. And that's sort of what inspired me to start a business in the first place. Cause I would, I would take a class and then like share everything I learned with all my friends. You know, I was always trying to like help other people with what I learned. And I finally realized like, I just needed to start my own business. I needed to learn formally learn things that I could formally help people who wanted it. You know, it's great to want to help your friends, but if they don't want it, it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Like now people come to me and they want my help and they're willing to pay for it and they value that relationship because it's not just something that they're getting for free and, you know, they will actually do what I tell them. (laughs) (laughs) And that's really what it's all about. That's really what it is. Just do what I tell you for the love of God. Um. (laughs) Was there a a seminal book or, or even just something as small as like a quote or something somebody said to you that really just kind of kicked your your brain uh, thinking about starting this stuff or was it more gradual um, kind of realization? It was definitely a gradual realization, but I think the moment for me where, where I realized 
I had more to offer than just acting because I am an actor and I do pursue it and I love it and I love creating my own content. You know, it is a love for me. I haven't lost any of that love, but for me, I just know that I have more to offer than just that. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to be in charge of my own business and sharing things, being in charge of how I share what I share. Um, but there was a moment I took, um, a workshop acting success now. I don't know if you've heard Mm -hmm. of it. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Um, with Robert and Michelle and being in that workshop, you know, it's these tools to kind of get out of your own way and get out of that mental chatter. And going through that workshop was actually the moment where I felt like, Oh, there's something, there's more that I need to do in addition to acting. That was kind of the moment for me. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I'm I'm a fly by the, by the seat of my pants person. And so I was like, okay, that's it. I'm starting a business. I don't know what it is. Actually, in the beginning of my business, <laughs> when I first started a business, I was just was refining what I do now. Um, but I knew I wanted to help actors take action. And I knew I wanted to help actors stop freaking out and relax and feel grounded. That was sort of my goal. And so I used to teach um, yoga and I used to be a Reiki practitioner, which is energy work. And so I was trying to mix all of that with marketing. And um, I mean, it was good. You know, I definitely still teach people mindset principles and exercises to chill out and and do all of that. I just don't do it through energy work because what I used to find was um, the people who are really interested in in the energy work never had any money. Hmm. (laughs) And the people who were interested in the marketing didn't really, they didn't really care about the energy work. So now I sort of sneak in that kind of stuff underneath the marketing (laughs) yeah yeah no i I definitely there's it's a good balance of the kind of nuts and bolts like concrete actions that you take here and there and and the kind of less tangible stuff the stuff that's a little more new agey but that i think woo woo uh, yeah woo -woo, i I use that all the time um but but that i hope people are starting to realize is is just as important as the other stuff it, it it really is. You know, I'm woo-woo. I'll freely admit I'm totally woo-woo. I'm into all that kind of stuff and like the mindset and the beliefs. Some people aren't. But I do think at the end of the day that that stuff, I could give you an amazing marketing plan. But if you're, you know, you have a bunch of shitty beliefs that tell you how much you suck, it doesn't matter because you're going to take action from that place of feeling like you suck or you're not going to take action at all. And so I actually really think a mix of both of those things is, is a huge key to helping people get out of their own way. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So you, you started Emily Grace Productions. Was that, that was the business that you wanted to start? Yes. Now, so I was going to say, do you, you offer obviously the programs that you offer, like the, the BYOB that I checked out, but also what else do you do um, with that company? Yes. So Emily Grace Productions is, I'll kind of give you the whole background of how sure. it came to be. Because when I first started, it was called something else. Is it a limited liability corporation? Um, No, it's just sole proprietor. Okay. It's just me. Cool. I'm the boss. I'm the boss lady. Um, <laughs> I'm the boss of myself. You're not the boss of me. <laughs> I'm the boss of me. So Emily Grace Productions has evolved, you know, from this sort of fly by the seat of my pants. I'm just going to 
throw the kitchen sink in and figure it out. Um, it's evolved because at one point I ended up working side by side with a producer, um, an indie film producer in the sort of like five to $50 million budget range, which for me was a huge eye opener in terms of that side of the business and how hard it is to get money, how much work it is. Producing a movie is literally every time it happens, it's basically a miracle. Like every film that's ever been made, it was a miracle. We've heard that kind of repeatedly on the podcast. Yeah, yeah. it's truly, it is such a balancing act. It is so much work. And to get it done, it's about you have to keep showing up and taking action every day. It's about persistence. Um, and so that experience really helped me understand what I was missing as an actor and what I helped my clients embrace in terms of their their action plan. It's about being focused on a goal, having a plan, and taking action persistently. Um, so Emily Grace Productions, you know, the idea is about whether you are literally producing content, which I do advocate that people Short do. films, web series, yep, that kind of thing. Uh, yeah, because it, f- it feeds your soul and it's fun and it's you're passionate about it, but it also gives you something great to market. So whether you're literally producing your own stuff or you're producing results, that's the idea. Like you are here to produce your own results, not to wait for someone to validate you or give you permission or do the work for you. Um, So Emily Grace Productions is, you know, it's sort of how I can express my own life philosophy, which is you know, live on your own terms, make it happen for yourself. Don't wait for someone to make it happen for you. I do. I have a couple of programs that I designed. Mm-hmm. Um, so the one that you mentioned is build your own buzz, which is BYOB. It's sort of a pun on, on that. Cause who doesn't like BYOB? Everybody <laughs> does. So <laughs> that's sort of like the flagship program, which is, it is a marketing training from A to Z, but it's designed for actors because marketing is marketing. It doesn't really matter what the industry is. The principles are the same, but I definitely find that as far as actors go, they don't necessarily know how marketing applies to their market, which is, or their industry, which it's a tough industry because it feels most of the time it's a buyer's market, not a seller's market. And so, you know, as a business owner, it's a seller's market. I can always find a new client, but in the acting world, there's only one role and only one person can get it. So the, the buyer of the talent is in charge of that decision. So it's a slightly modified way of marketing yourself when, you know, there's the, commodity. What do I want to say? Like the, the ability for you to book a job is very, is, is slimmer. And so build your own buzz is really helping actors focus on building relationships instead of just trying to get auditions because auditions are great, but most of the time you're not going to book and that's normal. So what, what I try to help people do is figure out what they want to do, who hires for that, and how they can create relationships with those people so that they will get into a position where they can either audition or just get you know a direct offer or get hired without having to audition anymore. Right, right. That's all kind of building your reputation. Yeah, really. exactly. And what I really liked about your program is that it's, it starts with what is your kind of vision? You know, like mm-hmm. what do you what do you want to be doing? What would a successful year look like for you? You know, AJ might disagree with me on this, the co-host, but. 
He's sometimes not I here think today. that's <laughs> he's not here. <laughs> sometimes I think that's the hardest part or the easiest part even because it's easy to kind of say like, well, I want this, you know, I want a million dollars, right? Sure, cool. And that's but then it's like, well, how do you get from A to B? You know, you can read a ton of books, you can go to a bunch of seminars, but it's like sometimes, and we we're not fans of systems on this podcast. We we generally tend to. As, as I told you before we started recording, be skeptical of them. However, success leaves clues. Yep. And there are certain steps you can take that are going to make a difference in your life, no matter where you come from, what your situation is, what your background is. Like, there's no one size fits all. I think that's where we kind of get um, uncomfortable with systems. Mm-hmm. But if you can modify the system, and in your program it's extremely modifiable, um, then you can definitely get those concrete steps. What do I do today? What do I do Tuesday? What do I do Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and on and on until you get to that, that place. And that's what I really liked about your program is that it offers those kind of concrete steps. Like, okay, once you're done with this, then we move on to this. What does this mean for you? Okay, cool. Working on that. Let's turn it into this and then do that, that thing. Yeah. Do that thing. (laughs) Do that thing. Do that thing. And you'll, you'll be, you'll get the million. (laughs) There it is. A million dollars. You heard it here first, folks. You obviously make your own content as well. You said you're a big believer in that. What do you see actors doing these days and making their own content that is slowing them down or shooting themselves in the foot? Like they say, I'm out there, I'm making web series, but what is it? Why, why are they, where are they? Are they slowing themselves up? Well, what I see actually slowing people down is that they have ideas, but they don't execute them. It would be rare. It's a rarer, rare, rare, rarefied, <laughs> rarefied. It's a less <laughs> rare. <It's laughs> Edit. What am I trying to say? Less often would an actor come to me that is actually created a web series and is feeling stuck because if they are in the position where they are actually executing and they've got the script and they've shot it and they have the footage, then it's just about a marketing plan. You know, how do I get this visible? How do I get this in front of people and capitalize? I think most people, at least people who come to me, um, looking for help is that they have an idea to write a website web series, but they're not doing it. They're just thinking about doing it. And that's, I think the biggest thing that slows everybody down is the procrastination. We have ideas, but the, the longer it takes you to act on an idea, the, the harder it's going to be for you to get it done. Um, the other thing that I think slows mo- almost everybody down actor or otherwise is we look at the result and we look at the big picture and get so overwhelmed by all the steps it's going to take to get there. Oh, it's like exhausting. I don't even want to try. And all you really need to worry about is taking a next step. Just do something. If you are in action, it will lead you to the next step and the next step. And then you'll meet the person who has the resource that you needed to get the thing done. And we get so trapped in our head thinking about what we might have to do and how hard it's going to be that it never happens. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then the longer, you know, the longer you don't do anything, the more you feel like shit, <laughs> get depressed, like nothing's happening. I hate myself. Why am I not taking action? If only I would, but now it's too late. I waited too long and you kind of go down this whole downward spiral. It's exhaust. It's really heavy. It's exhausting. And there's no way that you're going to pull yourself out of that. 
Yeah. Just little steps, one little step at a time. I've been reading a lot of Brian Tracy lately, and uh, he says that you are happy only to the degree that you feel that you're in control of your life. And I, that as soon as I read that sentence, it stuck out to me because I was like, oh my God, the lack of control that so mm. many actors feel about mm. their situation, like it's just immense. I mean, I, I've, I've been through the phases where you, you mm-hmm. just feel like a complete victim. Like you have no control that you are always the one that is affected, never making the cause. Mm-hmm. Um, so what you're doing, I think is, is important, especially on that level. Just on a happiness level, you're teaching people how to take control yep. of their careers and do everything they possibly can to make sure that they stick out. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think philosophically, energetically, or however you want to put it, like none of us have control over outcomes or circumstances. None of us actually have control over many things, but what we do have control over is ourselves and our actions and our thoughts and our attitude. And I think when you take responsibility for that, that's when you feel empowered because you always have a choice to take action and to change the way you think about something and to do something to get out of what may be your present circumstances. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if I came to you with a, a web series, um, let's say I've, I've moved it from idea, I've shot it, I've got like a couple rough cuts, and I'm excited to get it out to the world, but I don't quite know what spin to put on it or kind of where to go next, so I'm not spinning my wheels. Um, and I came to you and I said, how can I kind of position this for maximum effect, so to speak? Where would you start? Are you trying to get free coaching out of me? <laughs> Damn. <laughs> All right, never mind. Thank you for being here, Emily. No. Um, do you have a website? Web series? Uh, I do not. You do not. Oh, not it's just well, I have Inside Acting Podcast, but uh, yes. it's not. It's not a narrative web okay. series. So okay. I'm looking. I'm actually. I am thinking about it, but for the hypothetical actor, yes, for the, for the future me, actor, yes, the me two months from the, down the road. <laughs> Excellent. So you have. The rough cut, is it showable or is it still need to be edited? Let's say there's still a few things that need to be done um, to kind of polish it before it's ready to be put out in the world. But but generally speaking, it's it's a complete, uh, maybe the first three or four episodes are complete. Okay. And the arc is there and, and everything. Excellent. Excellent. So there could be two, I mean multiple, but there could be two sort of questions that I would want to know, which is... What do you want to make happen with it in terms of your acting career opportunities as well as with the web series itself in terms of building an audience? Because they're very different tracks for marketing. Um, You know, in terms of your acting career, if you're using it for, you know, if you specifically wrote the web series to show yourself playing a certain character that maybe you never get to audition for because no one ever sees you that way, then in terms of next steps, I would suggest that you be very clear about who needs to see this. If there are casting directors that already know you, if there are people that don't know you that you want to introduce yourself to, if you're looking to get an agent, all of those sort of industry professionals, I would I would suggest that you be very clear about what you want to do with the web series in terms of those people um, so that you can market it appropriately. Maybe you're going to do 
like a premiere party and you want to invite them to come or a screening or maybe you're doing, uh, you just want to get them to click a link and watch the first video and then call them up and request a meeting or, you know, there's a million different ways that you could market it to those specific people. But first you want to be clear about what the outcome is is that you want with the industry professionals. Then on the the other track is building an audience. You know, I would imagine, I mean, not necessarily, maybe you do make content only to leverage yourself within the industry, but probably you're making content for an audience. And so the first thing that you ideally did before you wrote the web series, (laughs) ideally, but if not, we can budget after the fact, um, is know who your audience is. Who's your target market? Who are you writing it for? Who's going to like this? Who's going to think it's cool or funny? And you may, you know, a lot of times I'll write content because I think it's funny or I produce something because it resonated with me. And so I know myself, I know my habits. I, if I am my target market, a lot of my target market research is already done because what you want to figure out is depending on who the audience is for the content, you need to figure out where they're hanging out, where they hang out online, where are they hanging out in person? Hmm. And then you need to get your stuff in front of them. You need to, you know, build relationships on Twitter. Hey, person who's my target market. I saw you thought this was funny. You might think this is really funny too. Check it out. Let me know what you think. You want to get in front of them multiple times because again, marketing is about persistence, consistence and persistence. Um, If, you know, your target market happens to love a certain Irish bar, this is like way crazy example, but if just they happen to love a certain Irish bar, you can go there and talk to them and tell them about your web series and invite them to look at it. The whole idea is you need to know where the people are hanging out who are going to like your stuff and then actively cultivate a relationship with them and ask them to watch your stuff. Hmm. That's how you would start to build that audience as well. The nugget in there that you just kind of <laughs> brought to light for me was that, was it, was that you, you take it offline a little bit and you look at what mm-hmm. your, what your audience is also doing. What are they buying? Mm-hmm. What, what other kind of shows are they watching? What kind of books are they reading? What magazines to subscribe to? And where mm-hmm. do they go to hang out? Like that's taking it offline and not just thinking about what other websites they're going to, mm-hmm. but, but take looking at the whole picture in terms of like what the other 90% of their life is. Hey guys, welcome back. Hope you enjoyed part one of our chat with Emily race. Some really useful stuff. Um, I, uh, I'm personally kind of working on a few projects. So that, that whole section there where she's like, are you trying to get free coaching? I, I kind of was, uh, <laughs> but it's okay. Cause her, you know, she let us check out her program and, uh, it's, it's just such good stuff. I, I highly recommend it to anybody. And, uh, she doesn't say this in the, in the first part of the interview here, but she does offer a discount on all her products for listeners of the podcast. So mm-hmm. make sure you check out our website for that, uh, discount code. Good stuff all around. Awesome. Yeah. What is your pick of the week, dude? My pick of the week um, is Nick and Liesl. I'm just going to say that. Yeah, I guess just go to our website for their website. Um, They're also on Facebook, um, but it's, it's, it's how it's spelled. Nick uh, and then and uh, ampersand uh, Liesl. Um, And they are this uh, Aussie duo from, uh, well, she's from Sweden, I think, and then he's from Australia. And uh, 
their music was used in, in our show, and it's it's so beautiful. Yeah, NickandLiesel.com is their website. They also have um, Facebook.com slash NickandLiesel. Um, <clears throat> if you're into indie rock, uh, folk rock, you know, that kind of sound, um, it's... Uh, yeah, it's it's beautiful music. I mean, beautiful. If you just want to like throw it on in the background or something like that, that'd be great. But uh, yeah, support them. Uh, go on, cool. go on their website, check it, check it out, buy their album, um, like their Facebook page, all that good stuff. All that good stuff. My pick of the week is kind of a going back to our environmental conversation from a little while ago. Um, I uh, I recently I not discovered, but there's a. This is the first time we've ever had a food product as a pick of the week on the podcast, I think. But there's a, a, a vegan like shake mix stuff called Vega, um, kind of formulated by this guy named Brendan Brazier, who's a triathlete. And he's written a book on vegan nutrition for athletes, which I like snatched up as soon as it became available because that's just the way I am. For a while, I, you know, I tried it a couple of times. I didn't really like it that much. And but I'm always kind of trying to push the envelope with with like nutrition and figure out what what's new and what works and what doesn't and what's optimal. So I've been really kind of going the vegan route again because you know a couple of years ago I was doing that, and they recently reformulated this this mix. This like it's not a protein, but it's just like a plant based nutrition shake. And there's like a sports line and there's uh, a regular kind of regular line and uh, the regular line got reformulated and it's now called Vigo One. It's so good, dude. I can't even tell you how good it is, and it's really good for you. Is uh, it like to make? Is it like to make protein? Yeah, it's shapes? like a it's like a powder that comes in a little tub or pouch, and you just kind of empty it in your cup and just mix it up with some water or almond milk or juice or something. Um, but it's really, really good stuff. And if you go to their website and sign up for their newsletter, they'll send you. Well, at least this was true a couple weeks ago when I did it. They'll send you a free sample, like a packet of the of the Vega One. Uh, I really like the chocolate flavor and, uh, it's good stuff. you like, it's just, as soon as you drink it, your body thanks you. I'd say you, I would say you can't get enough of this stuff, although it's tempting to OD. And if you drink too much and I'm speaking from experience here, you will start to feel a little icky just because it's like too much of a good thing, Huh? but it's such a good supplement, uh, to, to your diet and it's like good in every way. And as someone who, you know, cares about and is concerned about the environment and opts to eat animal products as infrequently as possible, this kind of thing is just such a, it's a gold. Yeah. It's really good stuff. It's expensive. So I'll definitely, you know, be wary of, of the price if, if you're, uh, if you're in a place where that's, you know, not feasible for you, but, uh, worth checking out, get the free sample. It's really good stuff. Sweet. Yeah, I've been digging that stuff. Uh, my friend Whitney sent me some free samples, too, of their sports line. They have, like, four different sports things. There's, like, a thing you drink before your workout. There's a thing you drink during your workout. Then there's a post-recovery accelerator. And then there's the protein thing after the recovery. Like, she sent me the whole system. And uh, and I've been trying it. And it's it's good stuff. It's not, like, amazing. It doesn't make me into, like, Superman or anything. But it, it definitely <laughs> you definitely feel a little boost. Cool. And I definitely recover faster, and that's been an issue uh, as I get a little older. I've just noticed recovery time dropping. I'm sore a little bit longer, you know, and that sucks. So this, <laughs> this stuff definitely helps. Awesome. That's it. Yeah, that is it. That does oh, my it God. For episode 78. <laughs> it, like, snuck up on us. Yeah. We're like, what's yeah. next? Nothing. Oh, my God. <laughs> Nothing at all. 
So uh, thanks for listening, guys. If you dig what we're doing, there's a lot of different ways you can uh, be in touch with us and support the podcast. You can, of course, email us. Uh, well, you can first find us online at InsideActingPodcast.com and email us at InsideActingPodcast at gmail.com if you'd like. We're also on Facebook uh, at uh, Facebook.com slash InsideActing or on Twitter at Twitter.com slash InsideActing or you can always follow our individual accounts. I'm at Twitter.com slash DigitalActor. And I'm Twitter.com slash Trevor Algott. You can find us on ActorRated.com. Just hop over there and do a search for Inside Acting. And uh, if you'd like to uh, leave us a review there, a nice review preferably, um, you're always welcome to do that. That certainly helps our cause. Yeah, you can also do the same thing over at iTunes um, just by doing a search for Inside yeah. Acting. I, I, checked, uh, <clears throat> I checked yesterday. We have 83 five-star reviews. Beautiful we thing. have one four-star review, but the rest are five stars, and that's pretty awesome. We want to thank you guys so much for, for helping. I mean, not only does it mean a lot to us uh, you know, to get those kind of reviews, but it means a lot that you feel compelled, <laughs> like you appreciate what we're doing enough yeah. to actually go over and do right. that. Very, very cool. Yeah. Well, if you can't, uh, if you're unable to at the moment support, uh, you know, financially, this is a great way to support us by with just your words and your rating, um, because that just helps to strengthen uh, the brand of Inside Acting. So we really appreciate that. Absolutely. And on that note, uh, you can always head over to our website, InsideActingPodcast.com, and do uh, support us financially. Um, by clicking on the donate button on the right hand side, two different ways to do that. You can either do it in one uh, lump sum of like you know a thousand dollars or something like that, uh, or you can uh, donate on a monthly recurring basis. Um, three, five, ten. Wait, what is yeah. it? Three, five, three, five ten, ten, or twenty? Yeah, awesome. Yeah, uh, per month. And if you do that, we call you a patron. There's a whole explanation in our frequently asked questions section as to why we call people patrons. We'll make sure we get a, a, a little bio, a little blurb, and your headshot up on our patron page. And you also kind of get first dibs access to some of the, the stuff we have in the works. So if you uh, support the po- if you like the podcast, consider becoming a patron. We hope uh, it becomes worth it for you. And that's it. Awesome. That's all she wrote for episode 78. I'm Trevor Algott. I'm AJ Meyer. We'll see you next week. And in the meantime, take care of the planet. Take care of the planet.